This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Melissa Moretti. And Melissa, today we have an outstanding show today with Kevin Wong from Westbuild. He is the Vice President of Leasing Acquisitions and Asset Management for Westbuild, which is a massive company for those who don't know. And we'll let Kevin kind of get into that. Very excited to have him on here. And they have a recent acquisition up in the Kamloops market that we're going to talk about. And Kevin is from Kamloops, we found out. So we've got lots to unpack there. It's a market that we're really excited about. Uh, but before that, some big retail news. Nordstrom's is closing their doors across I heard, Canada. I heard that. What are you going to do with your time all day now? I'm I'm going to just shop online, I guess. <laughs> so Nordstrom's uh, came up with a big announcement that they are closing all of their Canadian stores, um, which when you kind of dig a little bit deeper, I think there's a lot more behind the scenes uh, with regards to shareholder confidence and the Nordstrom family mm. versus the Canadian economy and the retail environment. So it'll be very interesting what happens. Obviously, there's no tenant that's kind of backfilling the space uh, in Pacific Center that we're aware of. It is a fairly large space, depending on what reports you read. It's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of square feet they got to fill. So it'll be interesting to see how they play that out. Any predictions from your side? Any Who's predictions? Coming? Um Ah, that's well. You figure Nordstrom's, I believe, is three floors. I think if I'm right, I think it's three it's floors. At least three floors. It's three floors, and I know that above that you got the office spaces there. So yeah. I wouldn't be at all surprised if maybe floor two and three, or maybe three, ends up in some kind of office conversion. Interesting. There, I know it's Microsoft is the anchor tenant there, or one of the anchor tenants. So that would not surprise me. Uh, the rumors have been like, how do you fill? second floor and there's been you mean kind of people talking about you know do you kind of create like an Italy type of concept which is if you've been to New York it's like kind of picture like a Las Vegas hotel lobby where you've got like restaurant next to restaurant next to restaurant mm -hmm. that concept they have in New York called Italy which is a very very big concept there there's been talk about do they create sort of like that type of I wouldn't say food hall is the way to describe it but Picture it's you got you got Joey's next to Cactus next to a high end sushi restaurant next yeah. to Joe Forte's where it's just one after the other, so that would be something maybe that would be really interesting. Again, I don't know how you pull all this off. And then uh, lastly, uh, you've got the retail level, which you've got a lot of great frontage both on Robson. What do you got? Robson and Granville would probably be your main corridor for your frontage, which is very expensive retail. So uh, you know, do you backfill those with luxury brands? Question becomes: You already have a lot of luxury brands. In Pacific Center, you have a lot of luxury brands on Robson. You have a lot of luxury brands on Alberni. So do they? There's an appetite for that. There is an appetite yeah. for it. So it'll be interesting what happens. I don't know really what you do. I would not want to be in the Cadillac Fairview's boardroom. Right. When you figure how much money you spent probably to retrofit them in there. And you know, back and in 2015. What do you think is the timeline on this? So if they've announced June. it, June. June. I think so June, June, or, June, or, June or July. They're they're out of Canada, and I think a lot of it has to do with this is only my own own opinion. 
is the Nordstrom family still controls the company. Mm. And there's been a lot of probably, I don't say lack of shareholder confidence in the operations of the company. But I think the Canadian division of it becomes a casualty in the fact that they're trying to restore shareholder confidence. So this way it kind of shows that, hey, look, we're doing something. And I think when you come to Canada, there's various things that they have to deal with. You've got, I mean, you've got a currency issue between the between Canada and the US. So you are playing the currency game when you're selling product up here, but you're an American company. You have probably have some distribution channel challenges versus I know you got cross-border and customs to deal with. But on top of that too, a lot of our major cities on average have higher rents per foot than some of the American cities. So if you're coming into Canada and you're paying a higher price per foot to do it, you're probably paying a higher price to employ people. You've got a currency issue to deal with now, as well as you might have a distribution challenge ahead of you. All of that may not be as easy to manage as first anticipated. And if we go back and we probably look at what's been probably the biggest retail disaster in Canadian business history, I would think would be Target. I was, I was right? going to say. They were in and out Target so fast, Army. right? So, so do you think that this is going to be a trend? Do you think that this is the beginning of, of maybe well, more companies? Well, I think when you look at it is a lot of people look at the big, huge footprint of that space. And when you go maybe over to like a Holt Renfrew that has a very large footprint that also probably competes for the same customer. One thing when you walk the perimeter of Holt Renfrew versus when you walk the perimeter of Nordstrom's, you see a lot of like boutique stores, so kind of like the store within a store concept, mm -hmm. which probably has a lot of value to Holt Renfrew and reduces overhead and all that stuff. Nordstrom's obviously had that as well, but probably not to the same degree. So uh, that stuff, I think when you look at those larger companies, they have to be innovative and creative. And when you look at things like Lululemon, Aritzia, as an example, they've been growing their footprints when most companies have been shrinking their footprints. And they've they've mainly been able to do that based on what they call vertical retail, which you know traditionally how the retail model works is I make a pair of jeans for 20 bucks and I sell it to a distributor for 40 and the four, they, then the distributor sells it to Harry Rosen for 80 and then Harry Rosen sells it to the public for 160. There's a 100% markup along the way. Well, Lululemon obviously makes and creates their own apparel and then sells it in their own store. So they're controlling that whole process all the way up. They definitely do incur additional costs by doing that, but those costs are probably far less than the traditional wholesale model that works. So, you I mean, that's where you see companies like that or even Aritzia, which has, I don't know, I read a report and this could be completely like overblown where like 90% of the brands now sold at Aritzia are brands controlled by Aritzia, like TNA, mm -hmm. Wilfred, Babaton. Those are all Aritzia-made brands. So that's a vertical retail model that they operate on. So that's where you've seen some of these guys been able to grow their footprints when other companies had to shrink their footprints. And then you look at a whole Renfrew, it has like the store within a store concept. So lots of interesting stuff. That's a whole nother so episode. I was just going to say, we told the listeners that our guest today was Kevin Wong. Yeah. You're trying to get me. Are you just trying to tell me enough's enough, Cor? I, I think that was a really good tangent you went on. That yeah. was a lot of valuable very passionate. information. Very for, passionate. Very passionate. Whole other I hear you. We should do an episode on vertical retail. Let's do it. Done. Next but, week. Yeah, yeah. So guys, without further ado, our episode with Kevin Wong, Vice President of Leasing Acquisition and Asset Management over at Westbuild. Enjoy, great, guys. Great information here. Enjoy. Enjoy. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial.
Impact Commercial, John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. So, all right, we're here today with Kevin Wong, Vice President of Leasing and Asset Management for Westbuild. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Corey. Thanks for having me on. This is the first time I've done a podcast, so... Ho- hopefully the first of many. After people hear you here, you're going to get podcast requests from across the country. You're going to do so well. Don't I worry about us. I think so. Thing. I think so. It's all about growing my follower base. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, content my, creation, right? Content creation. Uh, Kevin, can you maybe tell me a little bit more about yourself, how you got into real estate, and also about Westbuild for our listeners who don't know? Sure. Um, so I work with a developer out in Vancouver called Westbuild Holdings, and uh, I've been in the commercial real estate industry for probably close to 20 years now. And uh, I actually did not um, you know, study to be in real estate uh, when I was in university, but I kind of fell into it. And I graduated from UBC with a uh, arts degree. And uh, one of my first jobs was actually working uh, in marketing for a developer. And how I moved to real estate uh, exactly was when, uh, at the time, their vice president of leasing uh, left to go to another company. And the president of that, uh, that company, that developer came to me and said, Kevin, you've been doing, you've been helping us with marketing uh, for our commercial projects. But, you know, if I were to mentor you and teach you about commercial real estate and leasing, is that something that would interest you? And so, of course, you know, early on in my career, you know, being open to different things and learning, I said, yes, right, right away. And that started my, my journey into commercial real estate. And I learned about leases, I learned how to negotiate with businesses and tenants, and uh, subsequently uh, moved on to different, to other developers and just kind of advanced my career that way. And I've been yeah, working in commercial real estate uh, ever since, and specifically representing landlords, uh, not as a broker, but um, yeah, working with the landlord as an employee. And uh, I've been doing that happily and doing re- very well. And now at Westbuild. Now, for us in the industry, we obviously know Westbuild. They've been around for a long time and done some phenomenal projects. Can you maybe give us a little bit of background on Westbuild or maybe some of the key projects that they would that maybe people might recognize? Yeah, for sure. Westbuild is uh, primarily known for uh, land development. So we buy large tracts of land. The, the two largest tracts of land that we're known for are in Coquitlam, uh, one being Westwood Plateau. Uh, we, we used to own the golf course and, uh, a lot of the real estate around there and built that community up, uh, in the nineties. And now, now that's complete. That's been a, a while back. And now we have uh, a lot of land at Burke mountain in Coquitlam uh, here in BC. And, uh, we develop and we service the land and we sell to builders and other developers, uh, to build the final product to the, to the end user. That's what we're mainly known for. And specifically on my side, um, Westbuilt has always had uh, a portfolio of commercial centers, mainly in secondary markets uh, like Kamloops, uh, a few in, in places in Alberta like Calgary as well. 
So I, I, I've been looking after the commercial uh, real estate for Westbuild. So one thing when me and you, we, we met at ICSC here recently, and you'd also mentioned you're from Kamloops. And one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on here is you guys have a, you guys have recently purchased in the past, uh, I'd say year, maybe longer than that, a tremendous shopping center up there called The Brock, which we wanted mm-hmm. to sort of discuss today. You know, we're very bullish on Kamloops. We love the market there. You're from there originally. You guys are now acquiring assets in there. Can you maybe tell tell us a little bit about the Brock and sort of what how that transaction come about? What was the allure to it and that in Kamloops? Sure. Being a person that was born and raised in Kamloops, BC, and uh, left there many years ago to uh, to come to Vancouver, which is now my home. Brock Shopping Center is you know approximately 100,000 square feet, uh, a neighborhood center in Kamloops. And the appeal for, you know, for a company like Westfield and also, you know, to just to me as an individual is that neighborhood centers, and it's no secret to a lot of people in, in real estate and real estate investors, neighborhood centers and secondary markets have done really well over the past, you know, 5, 10, 15 years because they are uh, a needs-based, uh, service-based uh, shopping experience. And they don't typically see the fluctuations in the market, like a, you know, primary market, you know, triple, triple A class uh, mall, uh, like, for example, in Vancouver, where, you know, during COVID, when fashion retailers had to shut down, and they, they couldn't open places like Camelot needed to stay open, they, they would have specifically for Brock, it has a, a grocery anchor, it has the save on foods, it has a pharmacy, the shoppers drug mart, it has doctors that are there, restaurants that needed to stay open. So there are centers that cater to the neighborhood and are much needed, and also for investors and for you know landlords uh, like Westfield, they are also a great investment. So we're uh, we've always been bullish on on markets like Kamloops that are also that have also seen a ton of growth uh, in the past couple of years as uh, populations move to places like Kamloops for you know lower housing costs and lower lifestyle. in Vancouver, so they're, they're great places to invest in and. For Brock, we've looked at it on and off for many years, actually. And um, it was an opportunity last year when we acquired it. Uh, we, we worked with local brokers and found out that it was on the market again. We had looked at it, I, I want to say, close to 12 years ago, actually. But we didn't end up being the winning bidder for that property. And now, you know, fast forward to another you know, 12 plus years later, and we're back. We see it back on the market and we made a bid for it. And we're, we're glad that we won it. So we've owned it. We're coming up to close to a one-year anniversary of owning the Brock Shopping Center. So you touched base there on, on Kamloops as a whole, population growth. You've looked at the center before. Why now? Why does Kamloops make sense for Westfield now? Maybe before, maybe it wasn't as exciting. Well, fairly flat growth in terms of population uh, and the economy there. So even from the time when, when I left Kamloops to, to come to Vancouver in 1996. You know, throughout my years of growing up, Kamloops was always the, you know, slower growth city compared to Kelowna. There was always a rivalry to towns and cities like Kelowna where they saw much faster growth. But since the pandemic, or actually before the pandemic even started, especially with rising costs, obviously for housing in the major markets, even major markets like Kelowna, it's been the increases have been so high that people look at places like Kamloops and you can still, you know, afford, you know, a house and it's a, a lot 
a lot better value in Kamloops compared to the lower mainland. So you're seeing a lot of people move there. There's a lot more jobs created in Kamloops uh, as employers find out that, you know, they they want to be in in cities like Kamloops that have just lower cost of living. So it's a good time. Even coming out of COVID, Kamloops has seen a ton of growth. So it's it's a perfect time for for us to acquire it. So we're really happy with that purchase. So obviously you guys you guys purchased the center. There's some tenancies there that can be filled. What is Westbuild's plan with that center? What do you envision doing to it over the coming years? So we looked at it when we bought it and they're still there. It had a grocery anchor, it had a save on foods, it has a shopper's drug mart. So you have all the key elements there. They have doctors there. But what really was missing was the was the care and attention to the rest of the smaller businesses that were there, the rest of the you know, the CRU that are, are there. So we felt that uh, we could provide our expertise, our, our connections with, with national tenants, and also uh, a much more hands-on approach in communicating with the tenants. And that's what we're good in, is that we build relationships. We, we constantly meet, talk to um, all the tenants, not, not just the majors, but also small mom and pops, uh, local businesses, work with them to find out uh, how to improve their business and if it's not the right fit which many times you know that, that could be the case we look at uh, using our connections and finding perhaps a better tenant that could fit there so there's definitely a ton of value as as we saw the previous owner not connecting uh, with the tenants as well as we believe we could have so uh, that's that's we, we saw it as an opportunity for us so when you talk about value adds for our listener base there, can you maybe sort of elaborate a little bit on what like a value add opportunity would be or how do you guys envision the value add opportunity with the Brock Center? Sure. So, you know, value add ultimately is so um, looking at how one can improve um, a property, in this case, a commercial property, a commercial shopping center by, um, you know, ultimately increasing rents, uh, increasing rents, uh, and increasing the net operating income to the center so that the value of the property increases. Now, having said that, it's not simply we look at it as going there and raise the rents and, and that's it. No, it has to be uh, working with the tenants. It's finding the right retail mix that would serve uh, the neighbors and the population around that shopping center. So we saw that there was a ton of value add. Uh, actually, a lot of the rents were untouched and were well below market because the landlord was really just not paying any attention. They did not want to spend any money to uh, upgrade and to uh, upkeep the shopping center. So we saw that we could go in there and definitely have a renovation program in place to to give the shopping center a bit of a facelift, uh, improve the customer service, and actually you know connect with the tenants more, uh, so that we can actually increase rents but justify it because they would actually increase the tenant's business by drawing in more customers. So someone like yourself, you're originally from Kamloops, ended up down here in Vancouver, and now through the Brock Project there, you're, you're, from a Westbuild standpoint, you're back in Kamloops. What have you seen over the years, obviously, growing up in Kamloops? What, what's changed dramatically that all of a sudden now Kamloops seems to be much more of a hotspot for real estate, not just with you guys acquiring there, but a lot of other developers are now putting Kamloops on a list that never was on a list five years ago. What have you seen change dramatically over your time there growing up to say today? Well, I, I think it's, you're seeing housing development 
um, in places before that were were, were empty and, and bare. So definitely housing has continued to expand to areas of Canada that previously were undeveloped. And you're seeing more national tenants, some bigger names, whether it's uh, you know restaurants uh, or retailers, consider Kamloops, uh, whereas before they they would not be there. So I think retailers are recognizing that to do proper infill, they, they need to look at markets like Kamloops more, more closely. And it's not just Kelowna, it's not just the lower mainland. There's a ton of growth, a ton of market share that they can capture in places like Kamloops. So I think um, just a variety of retailers that I would not have seen uh, even even ten years ago uh, at Brock. You know, we have uh, you know Mary Brown's Chicken, you know, a, a Canadian company that's based out of the east, uh, out of the Maritimes. Uh, they they're expanding heavily. They're there. Tim Hortons uh, that's on site, uh, obviously that everyone knows about. It's one of the busiest Tim Hortons in in all of Kamloops. Uh, so. I think the nationals are, are recognizing that you need to be in markets and you need, you need to look at markets like Kamloops. And yeah, so just population growth and housing in new areas and, and retailers, uh, new tenants, international tenants or national tenants looking at Kamloops, whereas they, they would not look at it before. No, we, we definitely echo that from like what we see on the brokerage side of the business. We're not only investors, but also, like you said, national brands now want to know what Kamloops is, where it is. Because obviously, Kelowna has gone through a big swing. A lot of retailers have gotten to that market now and are looking for areas they can add off of that. And Kamloops become one of the natural fits off of the Kelowna mm-hmm. market there. So, Kevin, as someone local there growing up in Kamloops, can you maybe distinguish the difference between the two for our listeners? Well, yeah, growing up in Kamloops, we were, we were always aware uh, that Kelowna was the was the more popular sibling in the in the family or in the school. The biggest difference I see between Kelowna and Kamloops is that Kelowna has more recreational opportunities and you know beach, sun, and water that's close to the town compared to Kamloops. I find that for Kamloops, if you want to um, you know head to the lake or whatnot, you, you still have to make like an hour or two hour drive out before you hit um, you know a lake to hang out in, in for the summer. So. Kelowna has always had more tourists. It's always seen as a as a bigger city, more metropolitan city, uh, more services, more retailers, and better shopping centers than than a town like Kamloops. And Kamloops is always known as you know kind of like a more sleepy town, more blue collar, uh, working class town. So, but that's changing, right? It's changing a lot. And you know, for places like Kelowna that are seeing um, extreme growth uh, and and ultimately higher prices in in living and in, in cost of living, people are actually looking at places like Kamloops and, and saying, hey, this is a great alternative, much less expensive to buy a house. And also, you know, if you're into mountain biking and fishing and, and whatnot, there's and even skiing, you know, there's tons of you know great opportunities for recreational uh, activities there. You know, you just don't get the lakes and the and, and the beaches and the water uh, that Kelowna has. But um, we're, we're seeing that slowly change. You see a bunch of marketing out there from Kamloops as the tournament capital of Canada. And I was recently up there and I have to agree, I don't know what was going on, but there was team jerseys running around everywhere up there and track suits and stuff like that. So it's it's been very interesting to watch the development of Kamloops in a very, very positive way. And I know like I said there's lots of people excited about it that were looking forward to to you know getting uh getting going up in that marketplace as well with you. You guys talked a lot about secondary markets that you guys are in. Can you maybe touch base on what what markets is Westbelt excited about? Obviously, Kamloops is on that radar, 
But what other markets is Westbuild excited about? Maybe here, maybe not just in BC, but maybe in Western Canada. Well, in, in Western Canada, so so I would say almost any secondary market in BC we would look at now, and we, we are looking at. So as opportunities arise and as uh, commercial centers come up for sale, uh, we definitely are looking at all those opportunities. So, you know, in the past, we've owned shopping centers in places like Merritt, you know, 45 minutes outside of Kamloops. We've owned shopping centers in, in places like Williams Lake, Gibson's BC on the Sunshine Coast. So we're always looking at those markets. Uh, we're also in the market right now with uh, two shopping centers in Calgary. So even though it's not a secondary market, it is still a high growth. I believe that um, for this coming uh, this coming this calendar year, Calgary and specifically Alberta uh, will have the highest GDP growth in all of Canada. So we're very bullish on on Alberta, uh, not not just the secondary markets and smaller towns, but also you know, the main cities like Edmonton and Calgary. So we're looking there as well. So we're quite, um, we're quite bullish on, on all these markets. And I would add Vancouver Island on there. Victoria, Nanaimo, Duncan, Campbell River. We looked at a shopping center there about a year and a half ago. Those are all markets that are still seeing a ton of growth and we believe in it long-term. So we're going to ask you here, Kevin, as a final question, before we're actually going to take out your crystal ball here. And obviously you guys are, are you know, Westbuilt been around for a long time. Yourself has also been in the commercial real estate industry for a long time. We're dealing with what seems to be unprecedented inflation issues. We've seen dramatically steep interest rate increases over the past year and a half. What are your predictions on you mean, an overall marketplace? And what is Westbuilt? Is Westbuilt continuing to look and move forward with acquisitions within this marketplace right now, or do they have maybe a pens down, wait and see approach? Well, I think that um, you know, if you're a real estate investor, you can't look at being in real estate for only short periods of time. You do have to look at it um, at a long, long term basis. And none of us can predict where interest rates will be, um, you know, a year or two years from now, five years from now. But you know, being involved in in commercial real estate and as an investor uh, with Westbuild, you know we're always looking for opportunities because even in markets like now, like now when there are high interest rates, and sure, a lot, um, a lot of times the financing might not make sense, but you have to be ready uh, out there because there are sellers that are um, perhaps their their loans are coming up for maturity and they need to refinance and per- perhaps they can't, uh, so they may be they may have to sell. It could be a possible distress sale. And so there's always opportunity, even in markets like today, where it's it, it's still difficult. You know, sellers, their pricing expectations are, are not matching what the buyer's expectations are. But there are still opportunities there, and we always have to be uh, on the lookout for it. So even though none of us truly have a crystal ball, I believe that um, if you're active, uh, to be an active investor, you have to always be looking and always be ready uh, to kind of pounce on an opportunity when it arises. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I don't have a prediction for what the future will hold, but, you know, real estate has always been a, a long-term investment for us. And so as long as you believe in the long-term value of commercial real estate, which I do, I don't believe online retailers will materially affect neighborhood centers uh, and smaller neighborhood centers. You know, we're always going to be on the lookout for a potential real estate deals. Great ob- great observation. Uh, Kevin, before we let you go, we know you're a busy guy. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today. We have our six-pack of lighthearted questions that we ask all of our guests so we get to know you a little bit more outside of the office. Can we ask you to stick around for about five more minutes? 
No, absolutely. The six pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right, Kevin, first question up. You've unfortunately found yourself on death row. You're given one last meal. What is that meal? What are you eating? And it can be anything. Sushi. Oh, that was mm. quick. Now, any particular restaurant the sushi's from? Any particular restaurant the sushi's from? Oh, gosh. There's so many here in Vancouver where I'm where DoorDash I'm does come uh, to prison, so you can DoorDash it from anywhere DoorDash would come to prison. <laughs> well, you, you know, know what? <laughs> No, <laughs> you know, this is what actually, this is what I would say, even though if I were to choose uh, sushi for myself, um, I wouldn't be too particular, but I, actually, if I'm to re revisit that question, I actually would probably pick something like pizza or fried chicken, but probably give it to my fellow inmate. I'd be like, I don't need anything. That's my last meal. Oh, I would probably, I would probably find out what my, 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 um, perhaps it's someone I share, um, share a sell with a last meal a sell with and i'd probably give that to them because ultimately i i wouldn't need any more food would not really matter at that point that is wow. we've never had that and that could be the most unselfish thing i've ever heard on the podcast so far best answer yeah. i've heard so far plus yeah. fasting yeah. is is a big trend so not that i yeah, want to end up in, exactly yeah, yeah not that i want to end up in jail but if i did i would want to be with you and yeah. then that way i can get the fried <laughs> chicken right. or the pizza <laughs> i'd find out who someone else's favorite food and be like let's give that to to that person that's what i would do actually oh, you're, you're melting yeah. melissa's heart over here i know yeah. Best answer. All right. Okay. Second question. What's one book you recommend all of our listeners read? You know, I would say um, a book that kind of started my my journey into a lot of you know self improvement uh, books and, and just improving myself as I during my career and my life as well was was this book called it's called the Four Hour Work Week and it's it's probably about. I want to say it's close to 15, 20 years old now. Um, and it's by an author called uh, Tim Ferriss. Uh, he has a really great podcast out as well. But uh, Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Work Week, uh, taught me how to not look at conventional norms in, in terms of doing business and, and how you can change things up. And really, you can, you can adapt and you can get really creative about how you run a business. And how you do business, and even though although the book was about was not about working four hours a week, but it was um, you know kind of working outside of a traditional office, leveraging uh, people from around the world, not only hiring employees that you can you know see, but using using technology to to leverage people from around the world, and using our our communications to to do business and, and not be stuck to one place. I thought it was revolutionary, especially given now that, you know, we work from home and, and with COVID and whatnot, it was well before its time. It showed me a lot about how one can work very creatively. Great recommendation. Favorite band or musician, either or. Favorite band or musician. 
gosh, this may, may be embarrassing. I don't know. I mean, don't, do don't, you want the honest answer? Or yeah, do don't worry. Want, I was going to say, I love Nickelback, so you don't have to be embarrassed. I proudly <laughs> wear my Nickelback shirt. You don't have to be embarrassed with who your choices. Oh, well, okay. I'm going to go here. So I'm not, it's not so much a band. It's a composer. And I find a lot, I listen to a lot of um, music by Hans Zimmer. And I think a lot of listeners will probably recognize that name. Hans Zimmer is a composer and he composes a lot of soundtracks for movies and in television. And um, he's done it all. He's, he, he composed the music for Gladiator, for Dark Knight. Oh. Uh, any wow. major film up there, he, he, he has a hand in. I'm kind of silly. I, I will. doesn't matter if it's a workout or even sometimes if I'm uh, in the office, if I need a little pick me up, it's going to be coffee. And I put on uh, like a soundtrack and I'm, I'm amped up, ready to go. So, so, so it's refined. not for, for a band per se. So refined yeah. compared <laughs> yeah, to my sure co-host here with the <laughs> photograph replaying over and over and over. So what are you, what are you saying about me, Melissa? Nothing at all. All right. All right. Okay. Question number four. You've had a couple drinks. You get handed a karaoke mic. What are you singing? Um, photograph. Nickelback. Yeah. There, oh, <laughs> see? Oh, that's... Kev, this is why I love you. Corey's yeah. coming to your party. Wait, Corey. Yeah. I yeah. can't make Corey. it, unfortunately. Well, it can't be a solo. It can't be hey, a solo. I, I, will, I, will gladly, I will gladly join you on stage and me and you can take a run at acapella I'm really after a couple sick. glasses of wine. I'm really sick that night, but thanks for the invite. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely after a couple glasses of wine. It does not nearly sound as good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kev, next question up. Something you've purchased for $1,500 that's had a positive impact on your life. Under $1,500. Oh, sorry, under $1,500. My apologies. Under $1,500. Oh, that's an easy one. Um, my my gym membership. Oh. Which gym? My, my gym membership. So, uh, well, I, I work out at a gym called uh, Equinox in Vancouver. Yep. And, yep. Um, you know, so... It's uh, definitely that uh, by far uh, best purchase. I think any purchase that if it's going to improve you physically and mentally, it is the best investment for yourself. So uh, I've never any, been, you know. oh, sorry to interrupt you. I've never been to Equinox. I, I go to any time because Equinox is a little fancier than my liking. But is there something different mm-hmm. about Equinox compared to, you know, your regular fitness world or... Well, I, I like it because of uh, the classes and right. um, they have, you pay one rate and it's unlimited classes. Uh, there's also a gym area. So if you want to work out on your own, you can do that. And that's unlimited as well. So it's, um, I think compared to places like Anytime Fitness, I think if you're an individual that can, is very self-motivated and you can, it's, you're very disciplined and you go there and spend an hour and work out and leave and that's all you need great it works really well for for a lot of people but for myself i need someone telling me what to do so you know i attend a lot of their classes and whatnot so it doesn't matter if it's uh, a hit class uh, or a strength class or a yoga class you know i go there 45 minutes to an hour and someone's telling me what to do i just do it yeah and you know so i work out best that way so that um equinox uh, yeah is really good for that awesome Great answer. Love that. Last question up. Favorite bar or restaurant? Favorite bar or restaurant? Mm. Well, I will. Okay, I'll give you two. Sure. Uh, one from Camus, where I'm from. Um, and it still is my favorite restaurant there. And it's called Kelly O'Brien's. And it's an Irish uh, restaurant pub. 
and they've been around forever. And so that's always a go-to for me if I ever in Kamloops. I think there's one in New West. Are they a chain? There is one. Right. They they are a chain. You're right. There is one in New West. So they, they are there as well. But the one in Kamloops is the, is the original. And they okay. started out in Kamloops. So that's, I would say that for Kamloops. And then for Vancouver, probably uh, for sushi, it would be Miku, M-I-K-U. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, on the waterfront. And yeah, always just great. Mm, a brewery. The best. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love that. Love that answer. I thought you were going to say Mary Brown's chicken in, uh, in Brock from, <laughs> from your the shopping center. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's close right. second. I, I love fried chicken like the next person. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. fried chicken like the next person. But uh, yeah, in terms of favorite, uh, the place where I would, uh, you know, take yourself and Corey out if you were in Vancouver for wonderful food, I would take you to Miku. All wow, right, good it's choice. on. Yeah, Friday yeah. night. I'm I'm available. Okay, all right, sounds good. <laughs> all right, Kevin. For all of our listeners, can you tell us how they can find out more about yourself and all the exciting projects that Westfield has going on? Oh, sure. You can always check us out uh, at uh, westfield.com, and that's w e s b i l d dot com. So westfield.com, and uh, you can check us out what projects we're working on and learn more about us. And we're also on social media. We're on Instagram. Uh, under Westfield. Yeah. Happy to happy to be on this podcast. Guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to to walk us through that and tell us all about the exciting projects you guys are working on, especially the Brock up there in Kamloops. Great conversation. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Okay. Thank you. Take care. There you have it, folks. Our interview with Kevin Wong, Vice President of Leasing and Asset Management for Westbuild. Awesome conversation. Awesome conversation. It's funny, too. Like he mentions there, he was originally from Kamloops and with the Brock Project, they're all the way back into Kamloops now. Full circle. Full circle. Lots of change. Westbuild's got so many exciting projects going on. Like some people may or may not know, like things like Predator Ridge Golf Course in Vernon is another one under their, their control and umbrella. He talks there about Westwood Plateau that a lot of people would recognize down here. Burke Mountain which is the new one where where I reside. So if I have any problems with drainage on the property, I know who I'm going to get a hold of Kevin now. Wong. Kevin Wong. So it was a great episode. Lots of interesting things there. You know, unpacks a lot. Really interesting to see too, a company that really focuses on secondary markets. And we talk a lot about secondary markets here on the podcast, like Nanaimo and Victoria, Kelowna, Kamloops, all that stuff. They're in these markets and they love these markets. So great insight there. Great insight on the market. They're definitely moving forward. We're very excited to work with them up there. William Wright Commercial has been very fortunate that we've been given the the leasing mandate for them, for the Brock there, which will be a lot of fun to work with them and try to build out that center and see how it comes together. That's amazing. Good to know. All right, Corey, how can our listeners get a hold of you? For those who want to reach out, you can visit our website at williamwright.ca. You can send me an email anytime, Corey at williamwright.ca. Always share your thoughts on the show. And then you can also call our Vancouver office, 604-428-5255. Let us know what you're looking for, and we'll put you in touch with the, uh, the whatever agent can help you best throughout the province. And Melissa, for our guests there who may want to buy a condo in this crazy multi-offer market you tell me is going on, how can our listeners get a hold of you? You can call me, 778-869-4477, or Melissa at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Another great episode done, guys. More exciting stuff coming out. Uh, next week and the week after. Thanks for listening and enjoy your weekend. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Subscribe today.